guys, welcome to another awesome episode of Triggered. Thank you for tuning in. And tonight we're going to be joined by Congressman Corey Mills from Florida, 7th Congressional District. He's a decorated Army combat veteran. Uh, that interview is coming right up. But first, there's a lot of big breaking news, including yet more evidence of the Biden crime family's corruption. But last night, President Trump, your president, our favorite president, absolutely crushed it at the CNN town hall in New Hampshire. He went into the lion's den, okay? Let's just say we all know CNN doesn't exactly love Trump, but he put himself in front of that train, uh, and let's just say it didn't exactly work out how they had hoped. You can tell that by the leftist meltdown on Twitter afterwards, calling them out, losing their minds, AOC, you know, the Lincoln or the, you know, what many people refer to as the pedophile projects, Rick Wilson had commentary, George Takai, some of the biggest haters can't even believe what went down. So we're going to show you the best moments of the left's meltdown, and that's just ahead. But first, the House Oversight Committee, headed by James Comer, unveiled evidence showing millions of dollars flowing from foreign companies to the Biden family, okay? It's much bigger than we thought, right? It's not just Hunter anymore. The committee obtained bank records that show the Biden family, their business associates, and their companies received well over $10 million from foreign nationals companies, not just in the Ukraine and China, but also in Romania. And they built a web around 20 LLCs that don't look anything like a legitimate business. For example, for example, because there's a lot of examples, but the committee revealed that more than $1 million flowed from a corrupt Romanian businessman to the Biden family while then Vice President Joe Biden was talking about the need to clean up corruption in the Eastern European nation of Romania. Huh, that's interesting. <laughs> a total coincidence, guys. Joe Biden's son, Hunter, Joe Biden's brother, James, Joe Biden's brother's wife, Sarah, Hunter Biden's girlfriend, or Bo Biden's widow, one and the same, it's an interesting one, Haley, Hunter Biden's ex-wife, Kathleen, Hunter Biden's current wife, Melissa Cohen, and three of the president's sons and the president's brothers all got payouts from the shady deals. Does any of this sound like a legitimate business to you? I mean, think about it. Uh, they set these business up miraculously right at the time Joe Biden was there. What do any of those fans, let's pretend that Hunter and Jim are real businessmen for a second. Fine. The ex-wife, the new wife, the this person, the kids, the brothers, the, they're all on the payroll of these foreign entities or the entities controlled by the, why on earth would they be on that payroll? Did they all have some sort of international business experience? Did any of them have any actual business experience, let alone international business experience? Even Nancy Mice, not exactly a Trump lover, 
in Congress admitted that this information is one of the biggest scandals in American political history. Check it out. What we're proving to you today is showing you actual bank records, actual evidence of shell companies and businesses or more businesses and more Bidens involved that we knew of. You have to issue more subpoenas because every time we turn over Iraq, there's more information. There's more possible corruption. There's more possible allegations that need to be investigated. This is what we know today. Money flowed from the Chinese Communist Party aligned with uh, with individuals into American shell companies. And then that money was wired and transferred to Biden family members. This could be the most corrupt scheme in American politics where a sitting vice president, where we saw members of his family, nine members so far, there may be more, that were enriched from countries all over the world. It's important to keep in mind that Joe Biden, his brother James Biden, and his son Hunter have all made millions some people say Hunter Biden's net worth is almost $250 million. Now, this is a crackhead, okay? Let's be clear, right? Not a legitimate businessman, not someone that had any real experience doing these things. And from what? What exactly did the Biden family businesses do? Huh, they don't sell a product. They don't make, like, buildings like, say, the Trump Organization, no, they sell political access. So all the people that criticize Trump, oh my God, he made money building buildings like he's been doing very publicly for 40 years. So what exactly, again, did Joe Biden do? When exactly were they doing this that all of a sudden these magical businesses can pop up and make tens of millions of dollars with no experience, no product, no nothing? So again, to be clear, when Joe Biden was vice president, more than $1 million flowed from a crooked Romanian businessman to the Biden family, while then-Vice President Joe Biden was pretending to be fighting corruption in Romania. Watch this clip from James Comer so we understand the details of that. Since our last press conference in November, new information investigators have uncovered regarding the transfer of money from foreign entities to the Biden family. Many of the wire payments occurred while Joe Biden was vice president and leading the United States efforts in these countries. First instance, while Vice President Biden was lecturing Romania on anti-corruption policies, in reality he was a walking billboard for his son and family to collect money. Hunter Biden and his associates capitalized on a lucrative financial relationship with the Romanian national who was under investigation for and later convicted of corruption in Romania. The Bidens received over $1 million for the deal and 16 of the 17 payments to their associates account that funneled the Bidens money occurred while Joe Biden was vice president. In fact, the money stops flowing from the Romanian national soon after Joe Biden leaves the vice presidency. This is a pattern of influence peddling. This appears separate from any payment Hunter received from his work connecting this individual. Okay, you understand that, right? A million dollars flowing to the then vice president's you know, shell entities and the companies that are controlled by his family while he's the guy in charge. Right. It wasn't like Romania and these people were putting him on the payroll before that. Magically, he becomes powerful. 
He is exercising control over that region, and then the money starts flowing. Notice there doesn't seem to be much money coming from places where he does not wield any influence. Another kind of key point, and again, I say this because I know what they tried doing to the Trump Organization. Oh my God, he owns a building that he still owns as president. It's a disaster. Remember, emoluments clause. I'm like, wait a minute, we've owned the building for 25 years. What are you talking about? Like, before we even talked about being in politics, he owned the building. We're supposed to uh, pretend that never happened. So we have a 45-year track record of business, and it's a problem. They have no track record of business, making millions, and nothing seems to happen. Notice that George Santos, the new congressman just elected in this last cycle, has already been indicted for some of the stuff that he allegedly did in a few months. And it's clear now that since 2018, they knew about Joe Biden doing this. They had whistleblowers, and yet they allowed him to assume the presidency. They allowed him to assume the then Democrat Party nomination. They knew it all, and it didn't matter. You add that to what we already know about the Biden's ties to the Chinese energy giant, CECF, and now Hunter inked lucrative deals in China, Ukraine, at the same time that Joe Biden was in charge of, you guessed it, the Ukraine and China portfolios while he was vice president under Obama. But again, guys, as usual, we're seeing more stonewalling from the Bidens. Allies in the FBI of the Bidens, because, you know, let's face it, the FBI is run by, I'd argue, the most corrupted officials in the history of our country, the most partisan hacks there are. That's not the door kickers. Those guys do their jobs, and they want to deal with the corruption. But, you know, if you say anything, you're fired, and you're gone, and you have no chance of promotion. That's how it works. Okay, if you're a leftist and you're the Bidens there. So they're allies... The Biden allies at the FBI do not want to comply with a House Oversight Committee's subpoena compelling the production of an FBI document that a whistleblower alleged described as criminal bribery scheme involving then-Vice President Joe Biden. I mean, think about that. The FBI will not hand over a document from a whistleblower. And I remember there was a time not that long ago, like two and a half years ago, where whistleblowers were beyond reproach. They could do nothing wrong. But now there's a whistleblower against Biden. The FBI has this letter and the information, and they won't turn it over to Congress? They won't, partisan hacks at the FBI won't give it to elected officials doing their duty, trying to get transparency? Like, are we still going to hear that this is the most transparent administration in history or all the other nonsense we've been lied to about? I mean, they're not even pretending anymore. But at least we're one step closer to getting rid of Joe Biden as president. Last night, that CNN town hall was something special. It was a great night for President Trump, my father. He entered the lion's den and emerged victorious. I mean, it's amazing what he did. And think about that, guys, right? It's not like... It was a hometown crowd at, you know, Newsmax or a conservative place. No, no, no. This was done and set up and orchestrated by CNN. CNN. Okay? You think Joe Biden would do something like that? Now, if you have any doubt about who won last night, just look at how liberals have responded. CNN itself 
is even criticizing themselves. <laughs> That's when you know it's a win, folks. Its own media reporter, Oliver Darcy, wrote last night that CNN's own CEO, Chris Light, is facing, quote, internal criticism, and that it felt, quote, like 2016 all over again. AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, one of the queen communists, went on CNN's liberal competitor, MSNBC, many known as MSDNC, and she couldn't even hide her rage. Check this out. Uh, you know, I, I know you said earlier that you will not comment on the platforming of um, such atrocious disinformation, but I, I would. I think it was a profoundly irresponsible decision. I don't think that it would, I would be doing my job if I did not say that. You want to really know that we're winning? The Lincoln Project founder, Rick Wilson, many know it as the pedo project, right? Uh, the biggest never Trumpers in the world, the biggest grifters we've ever seen. Uh, but, you know, hey, as long as you're anti-Trump, they'll keep sending you checks and, and giving you a platform. He had a literal meltdown because he finally realized that Trump will be the Republican nominee. Now, I'm sure he'll figure out a way to grift off of that. But this is him in his own words. Check it out. Should be pulled off the fucking air. Chris Licht, you should be ashamed of yourself. This is astoundingly bad for the brand of CNN. It's astoundingly bad for the country. And it's astoundingly bad, honestly, folks, for every other Republican candidate in the primaries. Wrap that shit up. It's done. You saw this tonight. You know you can't beat him on the stage. <laughs> the best part was in the handover afterwards, CNN's own Jake Tapper, when talking to Anderson Cooper, even had his voice cracking. He was bordering in tears as to what just happened to their news network. As they were losing their minds, he was on the verge of tears. Mega Trump hater, left-wing activist George Takai said, Crap like CNN tonight is how Trump got elected the first time. You mean, so Trump goes in there. He answers their questions. He goes into the lion's den and responds, and it's, <laughs> that's a problem? You mean, you didn't get the answers you wanted, you didn't get to crush him, you didn't own him, even though you had all the time in the world to set that up, he crushes you, and, and that's the problem. Maybe lying to the American people about Trump for the last seven years is the problem. Maybe moments like this is why people see what Trump's really all about. The town hall went so poorly for CNN that they threw in the towel. Media reporter Dylan Byers wrote, note, the CNN town hall was a 90-minute broadcast, though the network expected the actual event to go as long as 75 minutes. They stopped less than 70 minutes in. Think about that, folks. They stopped early. If you don't think that this was ratings goal, right, they had viewers like CNN's probably never had, uh, but they threw in the towel. In other words, they could have gone longer if they wanted to, which is usually what you do when big people are drawing big ratings. But they cut because it was so bad for them. It was so damaging to the narrative. You should have seen some of the post-interview focus groups. 
CNN asks, why won't you stop talking about 2020? Why can't Trump do that? And the focus group, because they're not stupid. These are smart people. They saw what went on with their own eyes. They go, well, like, your first questions were all about that. Like, is he not supposed to answer the question you asked? CNN's upset that Trump answered the questions that they were getting him with, and then they're trying to lie to the people. I mean, I can't believe he can't let go. It's like, you can't have it both ways, folks. Why are they so upset? Because the town hall was full of moments like this, okay? Partisan activist hack, Caitlin Collins, asks, well, Mr. Trump, who do you want to win the war? Like it's Call of Duty or something like that, right? Like it's a video game. While President Trump makes it clear that the only victory in the end is about ending the bloodshed. Stop and watch this for a second because it's worth it. You have to pick a side. You don't have to pick a side. You want to stop the death, okay? It isn't Call of Duty. It's not a video game. There are real consequences, and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people are dying. And they want a binary answer to satisfy the military-industrial complex. Or I want you No, he wants there to not be death anymore. Check it out and see for yourself. Question is, would you give Ukraine weapons and funding? I was impeached by a crazy woman named Nancy but Pelosi. But the question here is, would you give Ukraine weapons and funding if you were I elected? would sit down. Let, let me just put it a nicer way. Uh, if I'm president, I will have that war settled in one day, 24 hours. How would you settle that war in one day? Because I'll meet with Putin. I'll meet with Zelensky. They both have weaknesses and they both have strengths. And within 24 hours, that war will be settled. It'll be over. It'll be absolutely over. Do you over. want Ukraine to win this war? Uh, I don't think in terms of winning and losing. I think in terms of getting it settled so we stop killing all these people and breaking down this, this country. Now, You but said one of you the don't think you in terms of winning and losing. You have to get the, you have Mr. To President, get Europe. can I just follow up on that? Because that's a really important Excuse me, let me just follow up. There. Can you say if you want Ukraine or Russia to win this war? I want everybody to stop dying. They're dying. Russians and Ukrainians. I want them to stop dying. And I'll have that done. I'll have that done in 24 hours. I'll have it done. You need the power of the presidency to do it. Guys, that's real statesmanship. Okay. That's what no one is saying, because everyone in D.C. is getting rich off the wars. That's why the uni party is all in on keeping this going, and no one's actually sitting down at the table, right? No one's sitting down at the table because all the powers that be are getting rich, okay? No one's actually really negotiating. No one's actually doing any politics there. They're sitting there writing endless checks to keep this thing going so their buddies can get rich and they can get a board seat at Raytheon. Here's Trump calling for energy independence, okay? Shocking, who would want that? Why would we want energy independence when we can be dependent on Venezuela and Iran, the world's leading state sponsor of terror for our oil and gas needs? Or we can get our lithium batteries and our wind farms manufactured almost 100% in China, the materials going into the lithium-ion batteries mined by child slave labor in terrible conditions in, let's just call it, far less than environmental standards. Here's what Trump had to say about it. Hi, thank you so much for coming to New Hampshire thank to you. answer our questions. 
My question is regarding the economy. Over the past two years, we have seen the prices for everything skyrocket. From food to gas to utilities and insurance costs, many people's bills are up several hundred dollars a month, including mine. If elected president again, what is the first thing you would do to help bring down the cost to make things more affordable? Drill, baby, drill. Drill, baby, drill. We have it here. We can do it under environmental scrutiny that actually means something. We can employ hard-working, good Americans, give them gainful employment, be energy independent, which is also a national security thing, right? We don't have to be dependent on Russia, Iran, Venezuela, the rest of the Middle East. Shocking. Who would want to be energy independent when we can depend on, again, Iran, the world's leading state sponsor of terror for our energy needs. I'm sure that'll go well in the end. I mean, what are these people thinking? And the regular people in the town halls, they get it. That's why they're clapping. And that's why CNN's losing their mind because they lost control of the narrative. That's all this is, folks, right? There's no reality. Right? Every conspiracy theory has turned out to be 100% true because, of course, they were true. They were all common sense. After the town hall, CNN gathered together in focus groups. And a focus group, a New Hampshire woman called out CNN's own BS about the bogus trial in New York. Watch this one. Here he is at this town hall today. I've never met her before and just in making fun of her. How did that make you feel as a woman? Um, I didn't really care. Why didn't you care? I don't know enough about the case. Um, women can be victims of abuse. Women can also make up stories. I mean, we see it all yeah, the time. I mean, so I don't know. All of these situations where people are coming out 20, 30 years later, I don't listen to it. One more question. Ask yourself for a second, guys. Would Joe Biden ever do a town hall with, like, Newsmax? He can't even manage to walk off the stage. And I'm not talking about the other examples. I'm talking about this week. He did it again. Here he is getting lost just yesterday. The choice is so obvious. It's so obvious. I mean, we're being led by a clown show whose only ability is to sign whatever the radicals that are actually in charge of our country put in front of them. At this point, why would Ron DeSantis even enter the race? Any dollar spent in this primary right now, after that performance and after all the polling we've seen for the last few months against Trump is literally a dollar in support of Joe Biden at this point. It is literally a dollar to fund the Democrats, draining our coffers, preventing us from being able to start up the ballot harvesting machine in the states that we're going to have to do that because we're going to have to play the games that the Democrats play.
right? It's clear who the nominee is going to be, but if others jump in this race to be able to essentially get their consultants rich so they can get 10% of the money raised or 20% of the money raised and 20% of the commercial buys to try to simultaneously hurt Trump, well, they're the ones that are going to be giving you another four years of the incompetence that we're witnessing at the gas pump, in the stock market, on our grocery shelves, uh, with our interest rates. When we have a president that can't find him, his, himself in a way off of a stage, you know, there's usually like, go back the way you came. He can't even remember that after a couple seconds of prepared remarks. He can't even get through those remarks. So remember, folks, this game gets ugly and it's disgusting. But if they're pushing for DeSantis and others to run, it's because the people who are actually pulling the strings are going to get rich from it. That's how it works. Nothing else. So watch for it. And any dollar that's going there to hurt Trump in this process at this point, with this obvious a lead, with the obvious ability to go in there, with the obvious ability to be the only one actually consistent to end the wars and to stop the bloodshed and death that we're seeing every day. Remember the DeSantis flip-flop because the donors apparently didn't like that he took like the Trump light approach. There's no chance, but every dollar spent in this primary at this point on is going to elect Joe Biden. Not to hurt, not to hurt Donald Trump. Uh, certainly not gonna get the other people elected. So before we get to the interview, I just want to take a second and thank our incredible sponsors like GoldCo because we're watching the world. We've seen the bank collapses. Gold and silver can protect your retirement savings from inflation and dollar devaluation. You see it coming. The economic storm is upon us. Our president can't get off a stage. Banks are collapsing around us. Interest rates are through the roof. And I just want you to be prepared. So owning physical, tangible, inflation hedging gold and silver can help protect and diversify your portfolio. So for precious metals, IRAs, to direct purchases of gold and silver, Gold Coast helped thousands of Americans diversify and protect their retirement savings. So support the companies who support you, who support programming like this, instead of supporting those who hate your guts. Go check them out at donjuniorgold.com. Go to donjrgold.com. You can learn more, you can read about it, and I just want you to be secure. Okay, speaking of secure, I want to introduce you to a brand new sponsor, Secure Private Data. That's S-E-K-U-R. Guys, we all know that our privacy is under attack each and every day. It's like, feels like, you know, who isn't on an FBI list? At this point, if you're watching this show, <laughs> there's probably a solid, and my production team's laughing, is it? But like, it's probably true, guys. You're on a list. If you're a concerned mother that went to a PTA board meeting, you're la labeled a domestic terrorist. So if you're listening to my programming, you're like, you're on that list. So our privacy is under attack and we certainly can't trust big tech or we can't even remotely trust our government to protect it at this point. They've made that fact very clear. In fact, bad actors across the web are stealing data, spying on personal information, and you need to make sure that you're secured. So secure, spelled again, S-E-K-U-R, is a private application offering secure private email, VPN, and instant messaging. It's hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms, right? So it's not like it's getting filtered through Amazon and the other people that hate your guts. 
They use Swiss privacy laws, which are some of the strictest in the world. So Secure's technology allows you to communicate and go online privately without the fear of spying from big tech companies. Your internet service provider, your email provider, or hackers. And Secure actually supports your values, that's why they're supporting this show, and isn't caving in to the woke mob that compromises and controls all of big tech. So go to Don Jr. Secure, D-O-N-J-R-S-E-K-U-R.com, okay? Just remember the Secure is a little spelled differently. Uh, D-O-N-J-R-S-E-K-U-R.com, where you can get a 15% discount off any of their solutions for the next five years. Again, D-O-N-J-R-S-E-K-U-R.com, and take back your privacy. So with that, guys, we're going to go to Corey Mills, uh, my good friend, uh, combat veteran, congressman from the great state of Florida, an all-around amazing American. I think you're really going to like this one. And guys, make sure, just click the like button down below. Like this content so other people can see it. That's how the algorithms work. Like it, share it, pass it along, download the Rumble app so you can set up notifications and know when we're going on and when we're going live so you can see the real news and the real commentary on the stuff that no one else is going to show you. You guys are the best. Like it. And with that, we're going to Corey. All right. Well, guys, we're on with my good friend, Congressman Corey Mills. Corey, I... I like the chair. I mean, that looks like an axis deer, I think. I think that, that, that that's A, it's a good start. I can't quite see the picture, but that looks like a Trump-like picture above your head. So uh, it, it, it absolutely is. And it's got uh, Reagan and the proper leaders of the conservative movement. Very nice. So that, that's your office in D.C. So at least you're bringing a, a, a little bit of the, the Florida pounding uh, to, uh, to, to the area. And I made sure I brought a 40 millimeter grenade to put in here, which is an inert grenade. I will say that one more time. Um, but yeah, we, we, we make sure that we bring a little flavor into the, uh, office here in DC. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that's an important one. I, you know, not only are you a, you know, a decorated combat vet, but you've actually also been, you know, manufacturing stuff for the United States military. So I, I definitely, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear your take on some of the stuff of, that's going on in the military right now, because when, when I hear about, you know, the woke propaganda being pushed, when I see the, the nonsense and, you know, the, the Navy, I mean, I'm sure as an army guy for you, this was probably great. You probably had a good time other than it realize, like other than it makes you wake up and wonder, like, uh, could we actually ever defend ourselves? But the Navy bringing on a drag queen influencer uh, to help uh, their already dismal recruiting numbers seems now again, I'm just a simple guy. Uh, many on the left have called me an idiot. But I don't think that that's going to solve your recruitment problems. And if anything, it probably makes it a little bit worse. What's your take? Well, you're exactly right. Look, the bottom line is, is that we have a 25,000 personnel deficit in our recruiting. Now, you compile that with the nearly 8,600 people that was unconstitutionally purged out of our military for the COVID mandates. You're now talking about a three division plus deficit in our actual defense capabilities. Now, let's add that to the point where you're getting to, which is that Secretary Lloyd Austin, who I had drafted articles of impeachment and showed to him during an actual hearing, because I do intend to impeach or at least submit all my impeachment articles for dereliction of duty, he has poisoned and indoctrinated our military to the point that he has drugged down the morale, focusing on things like pronouns and critical race theory, and now having drag shows on military installations to the extent that 
those who once believed that the military was about be all you can be during my time in the army, you know, they were about increased lethality, readiness, and being properly prepared for the upcoming enemy. That simply changed. And yeah. myself and Congressman Jim Banks and Congressman Matt Gates, we've been going after them in our mil military personnel, our mil purse committee hearings, and explaining the fact that our deficit right now is because you drugged down the morale and weakened our military to a point, like you said, that I'm not confident in its defense capabilities. We have the strongest military in the world, but I can tell you our enemies are not thinking about pronouns of he, him, she, her, they, them. And so this- Not, not even a little bit, just so we're clear. Like they, not even they're, a they're bit. spending exactly zero time doing a DEI and ESG and woke bullshit, like none. 100% right. So that, and that's my whole point. I mean, look, at the end of the day, we have to get back to what our military is about. It's serving our country, not serving anyone's political agenda. And so what we've done from the very beginning was talk about the fact that we're at a deficit. You know, China now has the largest Navy in the world. They're out building us 50 to one right now. They're moving forward with their geopolitical alignments of Russia and Iran and North Korea, some of the worst players in the actual you know, country. They're coming after to eliminate the U.S. dollar from the global currency through resource and economic and trade war. And meanwhile, we got Joe Biden thinking that he can continue his basement run, picking, you know, his hardest decision throughout the day is what flavor of ice cream he's going to get. And meanwhile, we're going ahead and utilizing and weaponizing our federal government like they have with the DA, you know, in, in New York to try and come after conservatives. And I mean, it's yeah. just a complete joke. And we have missed the buck on this. Well, listen, I, I want to get to that because that, you know, that was a sort of big topic of the CNN town hall. So I got to get your reaction on that one. But, you know, you're talking about that sort of a two-tiered justice system. And that that's very clear. I mean, I I don't even know much of the details, but I see, you know, the DOJ is going after George Santos, a new like, freshman congressman. So he's been in the job for, let's call it, four months uh, at this point from when he was in there. And they were able to charge him, indict him, all this, and, and figure it all out in four months. But there's a whistleblower there's FBI data about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. And they, we know those investigations, some of they and Hunter have been open for a few years. And it seems like they knew about it much earlier, as early as 2018 uh, for Joe. They allowed him to then become the Democrat nominee and ultimately the president of the United States. And there's still nothing from them. And yet they can act on a freshman congressman in four months. Uh, talk about that, because, you know, it, it it's it's mind boggling to me. Well, look, at the end of the day, Republicans and conservatives, the American people as a whole has really been primarily focused on these top tickets, right? So it's always the president and the senator and the governor and the United States congressman. And we've really left out how significant a lot of these you know, lower tier ticket numbers are, like when it comes to attorney general races. You know, George Soros was very smart. And let's, let's not take anything away from the Democrats and the socialists. They're unified and they're very smart yep. in their approach. They've utilized our schools with taking over school boards and teachers unions to indoctrinate our children to have a, a generational shift. They have utilized influence campaigns. They have utilized weaponizing the AGs to come after conservatives. And like you just talked about, they can process, you know, whatever the wire fraud, you know, accusations are or the uh, money laundering or racketeering or whatever it is. If it's a conservative, they can process it in four months. But when it comes to something like Hunter Biden's laptop or it comes to the, the Biden criminal family that the oversight committee just basically had, or it comes to like, I mean, I mean, think about this just for a moment. I pulled these up recently. The oversight committee not only has found Hunter Biden and the entire family to be profitable, 
We've got revenue in the millions from China, from Romania, from foreign countries who are actually trying to buy an influence into us. And now you got the Oversight Committee who has established a network of over 20 LLC companies, this spider web of LLCs that have been utilized to trickle in the 10% for the big guy. Now they can't get you know, busy and worry about things like that, but they can go after George Santos and they can yeah. go after crossfire hurricane with your dad. Let's talk about Senator Menendez who literally yeah. had 16 plus indictment charges and somehow through a hung jury was, you know, released on all of it. Now he's a chairman of one of the committees in the Senate. I mean, could you imagine if that was a Republican? Yeah, and I mean, and what's really amazing is, you know, as much as they've, I mentioned this sort of in my intro, as much as they've thrown at us, like Donald Trump, like the Trump organ, we built buildings for 40 years. Like there's a history <laughs> of like, why were, like, why would you start building? These LLCs that were magically doing all this international business, like sprung up the second Joe Biden took power. And they yeah. only sprung up in the areas that he was actually directly having influence over. I mean, that's so important because it's like, well, maybe magically Hunter was really good at international business. I, you know, he's good at some stuff, uh, <laughs> like smoking crack and maybe videoing himself excessively, but like probably not international business. But it wasn't like he picked countries that Joe had no influence. The only places that were actually paying him were the places that there was that direct influence. They only magically popped up, not decades in advance because he was actually doing something in those places, but they popped up literally the second there was the opportunity to take advantage of his father's publicly held office. Well, and, and to your point, the Trump dynasty has essentially been building for decades. But meanwhile, I can recall very well where James Biden all of a sudden had a construction company and was getting millions of dollars in contracts in Iraq who had never done any international construction prior to this actual, you know, competing with companies like KBR and Parsons. I mean, the 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 magnitude and and, and getting them right, and then I think yes, those and, winning them and then those deals winning. failed. I mean, I'm sure he made millions, but the deals failed because surprisingly, uh, a guy that's never done building, <laughs> a guy that's never done construction, and a guy that certainly hasn't done those things in an international marketplace magically couldn't actually deliver. So you know, they take their millions, they subcontract it out to someone right. else. And the Bidens get rich and like, no problem. I mean, if it was me, I think it'd be a problem. If it was you, it'd be a problem. But it's, it's sort of amazing. I mean, I, I I got vilified for running a successful business just because it was tailored towards supporting law enforcement. At one point, believe it or not, I actually had a letter from Cory Bush and the Oversight uh, and Reform Subcommittee demanding that my company tell them where I gave tear gas to which law enforcement departments during the BLM riots. I mean, I'm trying to support the men and women in blue to try and helping to secure the cities that were actually being ransacked. And they wanted to come after me for this. And I literally told them, this is before I was a candidate. This is before I had, you know, won my seat. And I said, by all means, I, I welcome you to subpoena me. And uh, clearly they didn't want to do that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's sort of amazing. You get crap for supporting law enforcement and manufacturing and doing stuff in America and creating jobs. But the problem was that you supplied it to stop literal riots, uh, you know, <laughs> things that I was told, you know, would be 
qualify as insurrection. Like terrorism. Uh, yeah, it, it, yes, domestic terrorism, if it was done by a conservative. But when it's done by the leftists, the people who supply the things to perhaps quell said insurrection are actually the ones getting letters from no, Congress. I was quelling a mostly peaceful protest, remember? I mean, wasn't that the <laughs> yes. headline? Yes, you could have done a lot more quelling, and it still would have been a fiery and not exactly mostly peaceful uh, process. I, by the way, okay, so everyone knows... Corey and I have to do this. I have to go up to your, you know, your test firing facility because I am and will be shooting uh, the 40 millimeter, uh, you know, mortars. We're because that, you know, the I do a lot of shooting, Corey, market. but I got to blow something up. That's, uh, you know, <laughs> we're just, well, we're putting it on the record here. We'll get sniper range as well if you need. I, listen, you you know me. We, we, we have a, we, I think we have a little match going that we have to have a little competition. We got to see through. Absolutely. So. All right, so well, that's actually much more important than anything. Is that you know, <laughs> rocket launchers and me feel like they should go hand in hand, you know, in mortars. But before we go anywhere else in this one, I want to get your thoughts on the town hall last night. I uh, the the idiots at CNN uh, and many of the other lunatics on the left they are they are appalled by it, and yet. I don't know, why should they be appalled? They invited, they set the rules, they had plenty of time to prepare. Uh, so if they're losing their minds now, it likely means it was a really big success for Trump and for freedom. What stood out to you? Well, I'll tell you something, you're exactly right. I think that if you listened to the applause alone that was in that room, it was very clear that while CNN may have invited the president on to try and, you know, frame him or paint him into a certain like, you know, corner, he came out very strong, in my opinion. He had great references. One of my favorite parts, because the left has been trying to utilize this for so long about the January 6th incident, is when he literally pulled from his coat the, the page and it said, yeah. he brought the receipts. 30 I brought this and it's hard. And, and, and you saw that this started to annoy the host or the moderator of this town hall to an extent that she became very rude towards the end, which I was very happy the president called her out for this nastiness. Look, if CNN wants to bring on President Trump, then you're bringing on President Trump and you're not going to get President Trump at 50 percent. You're getting President Trump in his entirety. And that is bringing the facts, bringing the receipts. But I personally think, in all honesty, the response from the crowd and the amount of applause yeah. was very clear that the American people liked what he had to say, and they were very happy about this. I don't think CNN's going to ever bring your dad back on for this. It didn't go the way they wanted it to, but I no, personally yeah. think dad had a very strong showing. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I know they, they earlier in the day, I think it was, they promoted Caitlin Collins to lead the nine o'clock hour. So the only person that was perhaps CNN-like uh, was Don Lemon, who probably loved that, I guess, his replacement got absolutely destroyed on the stage. And that was, I think, you know, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I, you know, I was like, are we really like this is going to be the first sort of big venue that we're going to do? And we're going to give CNN the chance to have 90 minutes to take a pot shot at you. And, you know, they stopped it early because it was like they, they threw in the towel, right? It was the bloodbath. Uh, you know, they, they took the mercy rule and they stopped it. And I'm sure the ratings were great. So, you know, you don't usually stop something when the ratings are good, unless it's that bad for the rest of the narrative, I guess, that they're trying to talk about. But uh, you you see the energy. Well, and you know as well, by the way, speaking of ratings, when, when, when President Trump was doing his debates in 2016 and 2020, it was the highest rating that that actual like program had ever seen. It was so bad that the NFL commissioner 
actually even said, can you not host the debates on a Monday because it impacts our ratings? I mean, that tells you something. Yeah, so they knew it, and they still pulled it early. I mean, again, you saw the meltdown. You know, Jake Tapper's voice was cracking because he was on the verge <laughs> of tears. AOC can't believe that CNN. What they did? They asked him questions. They had plenty of time to do it. He was just able to answer them. That's right. uh, you know, he's he's good on his feet. But I, you know, listen again. I, I was a little worried about that one. I'm not gonna lie. I made some phone calls. Be like, hey, what? And what was interesting, like what was and good is, you know, when they try to badger him constantly. In my intro, I talked about it. They're like. Well, why does Trump keep talking about the 2020 election? It's like, well, it was your first question. Like he answered your question and you like, you know, you keep badgering him about something and then you're shocked that he actually answers your question. But, you know, the, the meltdown then uh, continued. But what was cool and what was good is you saw Trump in sort of peak form where even if they're vicious, even if, as he said, you know, she got nasty and interrupted him constantly when he's in the middle of a, a thought and whatever it was. He kept his cool and she totally lost her composure. And I think that was really important because you see the hatred uh, from the other side. And again, I don't even think it's the other side because I think there's plenty of moderate Democrats in America right now that are Absolutely. looking at our country, that are looking at any metric, whether it's inflation or gas prices or grocery store prices or, you, you know, what, what a war uh, and saying, oh boy. Uh, so talk about, you know, the energy that you see for 2024 right now. Obviously, you're in Florida, so that's that's going to be, you know, uh, certainly pretty conservative and more so. But you endorsed Trump. You did so early. You know, what do you see out there and what made you do that? Well, look, here's the bottom line. All the things that you just listed, right? If you look at the political environment right now, we as a nation are not viewed as being the world leader that we were under President Trump. If you look at the fact that foreign policy and domestic policy is so intrinsically linked that we need someone who understands has a proven track record in this, no one has done it better than President Trump. Look at the Abrams Accord. Look at the trade deals where we actually held China accountable at the China Phase One deal that brought billions of dollars to our agricultural and our farmers and and you know throughout the country. Look at the remain in Mexico. Look at what's going on in the border crisis and the fact that this was not occurring at all whenever he was in a presidency. Look at us economically, where we were actually thriving above everyone. We were reestablishing things, getting rid of failed trade deals like NAFTA, replacing it with USMCA, making sure that our adversaries you know, were held accountable, but also our allies were paying their 2% of NATO and ensuring that they were fitting their bills, not just the American people continue to foot the bills. We were on an America first trajectory when it came to American dominance, not American independence of energy, American dominance. We had refilled our SPRs, our strategic petroleum reserves. We need a president who has a proven track record of actually getting our nation back on track. But here's the greatest part about President Trump. And I was blessed. I, I, you know, as you know, I got invited to Mar-a-Lago to a dinner there and I was able to sit next to the president and we had a discussion on 24. He doesn't have something that everyone else has, which is a re-election looming over his head. The decisions that need to be made are going to be very difficult yeah. and very unpopular decisions that we have to have a such a course correction to put America back on track as a global leader that anyone who comes in who is thinking about a re-election, that's going to be their focus, not on getting the country back on track. Yeah. President Trump is only concerned with getting an America first agenda and America back as the global leader. And that's what we need right now more than ever. Honestly, I think that's such an important point, right? Because you see that with the people that either 
you know, they need the donor money to run that re-election and to keep those campaigns going. You know, they need to sort of be loved by the people in Washington, D.C. Like, a one-term Trump president is, to me, so much more effective because he doesn't have to try to play nice. Now he knows the game. He came in as an outsider. He knows the game. He knows who to trust. He knows who to hire, who not to. That's a hard thing to learn. You you, you sort of, and I, I guess I, I don't want to say naive because I don't think he's a naive guy, but you assume that the people in D.C., are, they're there because they're public servants. We hear about this our whole lives. You know, they must want to do what's right for the country, but that's a lie. They do what's right for themselves to further their that's careers, to make money in the end. And so a one-term Trump president is actually exactly what we need. That's the one person who will burn it all down to a ground because he doesn't need to rack up any favors. He doesn't care at that point. And look what he, did he can just do what he needs to, to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, well, yeah. He did more in his first term than you have most presidents who do in two terms. I mean, when you talk about trade deals, we talk about peace agreements, we talk about conditions and metric-based uh, withdrawals from, you know, if, 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 if President Trump would have been in office, the botched withdrawal, the horrific withdrawal that cost 13 service members their lives and yeah. left multiple you know, thousands of Americans behind, which, you know, I know a little something about, given the fact that I'm the only member of Congress who conducted the, you know, withdraw the uh, evacuations of Americans out of Afghanistan. We actually conducted the first successful overland rescue. None of these things or Russia's emboldened approach to Ukraine or China's continuation and its aggression and malign activities against us. None of this would have taken place during a Trump administration. The yeah. thing that, and I, I agree with what you just stated, President Trump is an outsider when he came in in 2016. And just like with any business, and me as a former business owner, I know that when I would do an acquisition on a company, you would go in and do something called an activity-based costing. You're doing this ABC to determine who do you keep, who do you not, how does this mesh with the greater picture of things? You don't go in and just cut the heads off of everything, right? But that's what DC really needs. When a president yeah. You don't really do that when you're house. buying companies because there's usually people that are competent. In DC's case, we make an exception and just <laughs> cut it all you off. Clean house, because that's exactly what the Biden administration did, the Obama administration did. They just came in and cleaned house. And if we would have done that, we wouldn't have had the Christopher Rays. We wouldn't have had some of the you know actors that were actually in office working against the Trump agenda. We would have seen more improvement. Not that we didn't see a great amount of improvement already in his four years, which is more than most presidencies. But now take that with what he's learned and give him a one-term presidency with no re-election looming over his head. That's a president in America that I want to be a part of. Yeah, no, 100%. That's so good. And you're right. I mean, he his accomplishments were incredible. And that was really with sort of, even though he had a mandate from the voters, no one in D.C. wanted to go along with that, including so many of the Republicans. That was sort of the Paul Ryan right. mentality. We can't build a wall. That may offend someone who's not an American citizen. And I, I, it's like, I don't understand. Like, wait a minute. Uh, but but that doesn't stop anything. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, it feels like a no-brainer. and We got to start focusing on that real life because I think we're also going to have to do a lot to prevent the Democrat machine, right? They got these, they got... Right umpteen billionaires that are donating to them blindly, the four money coming in, the ballot harvesting operations. I mean, they do that game, you know, much better than us. What are some of the things we have to do, you know, to, in my opinion, like I said earlier, uh, it's, you know, not blow hundreds of millions of dollars in an, in an inevitable primary, but actually take that money to start up those operations uh, in the states that matter so that we can compete against that Democrat machine. Because right now, again, you know, in Pennsylvania, they elected John Fetterman, who's, you know, uh, you know, let's call it six beers short of a six pack, uh, you know, a borderline <laughs> vegetable. And I mean that, you know, with all due respect to vegetables, but like, you know, this is not a man that should be making trillion dollar decisions. This is not a man capable of those things. 
uh, you know, again, people say I'm an ableist, uh, which means I'm discriminating against those with disabilities, but I don't think it's an unreasonable expectation for me to think that a United States senator or a United States president should be able to have basic cognitive function. That seems like it's part of the job and a job description criteria. That doesn't seem to matter these days. But John Fetterman can get elected in Pennsylvania. Uh, Joe Biden can get elected president of the United States. Um, that ain't because the average person in America actually believes that. But if you're running a harvesting operation, if you're able to manipulate that, if you have those teams on the ground collecting those ballots, filling it in, telling people what they want to hear so they give you their ballot, that's a very different game. Uh, and we need to be playing it, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on what we should be doing there? Well, you're exactly right. The bottom line is, is that we have to utilize a lot of the Democrat games and play the game better than they are. And, you know, it's one of those things you play the game till you can change the game. The issue with us is that you saw where the Democrats, they play to win and the Republicans play not to lose. And those, yeah. while they sound the same, they are not the same in any way. We're not there to try and, 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 and just to keep it out there, you got a lot of Republicans as well who they're not thinking about wanting to save the Republic. They're thinking about wanting to save their seat to save their actual yeah. title, save their actual position. This is far greater than that. You know, the great thing about serving in the military is that you actually serve a mission or a purpose or an objective that's greater than yourself. We should take that exact same thing, given you take the same oath when we come in as elected officials. So I think exactly what you talked about, whether it's getting out the vote, whether it's early voting, whether it's ballot harvesting, whatever the case may be, whatever game they're playing, we have to stop as conservatives playing defense and start playing offense to win this next election. So can you update us on some of the work that you're doing uh, in committee? You know, what have been some of the major wins so far? What are the, you know, what are your benchmarks for success? I know as a business guy, as a military guy, like, you, you know, like what, what do you count as a win? What are you focused on? What's going on there? Well, I'll tell you, you know, one of the things I came to Washington, I didn't ever, I never wanted to run for office. I was fine supporting great conservative candidates, great Americans like Ronnie Jackson and Jim Jordan. And, uh, you know, some of these really staunch, you know, constitutionalists, but I just saw where exactly like I just pointed out, you had a lot of Republicans in here who are more worried about saving their seat than saving the Republic. Yeah. And when I came in here, I came in here to do a job. And in my actual short time that I'm here, I already have a bill that's already in committee right now, H.R. 863, which is a publishing house bill. I'm, like I said, I'm a constitutionalist. When I say that, I talk about all seven articles, 27 amendments, when they're ratified, because these are our guardrails, our safeguards as the federally elected officials. And so... I don't believe in stomping on 10th Amendment rights, which are state and individual rights. I think that more government doesn't mean better governance. I think limited government and empowerment of the private sector and the American people is the way to go. But H.R. 863, I think, goes to the crux of one of the biggest issues, which is the indoctrination of our children, the sexualization of our children, this predatory prey mechanism whereby my bill goes after the publishing houses, whether it's McGraw-Hill or Scholastics or any of the others, and it says, if you print any pornographic or inappropriate material, the intent to distribute to a primary or secondary school, not only are you going to be hit with a $500,000 fine, but the highest ranking member who actually approves the distribution of this indoctrinating and sexualization into our schools will receive a minimum of a one-year, one-day uh, sentence in prison and the continuation of being registered as a sex predator the rest of your life. Yeah. We have to start going after things like this. I have co-sponsored over 40 plus bills. We've got over 120 plus committee hearings that we've already done. Some of our committee hearings talk about what we talk about, strengthening our military, making sure that we stop the DEI and the pronouns and the weakening and wokeness that's actually trying to destroy our military, going after Secretary Blinken and the others 
to hold accountable for the botched Afghan withdrawal, holding sanctions on countries like Iran, like we're looking at with the Masa Act or like we're looking at with the Mahan Air sanctioning, you know, getting back to not just holding accountable the adversaries, but holding accountable the elected officials that are under, as you and I discussed, that two-tier justice system. That's why I drafted my articles of impeachment against Secretary Lloyd Austin. That's why I do believe that Secretary Mallorca under Pat Fallon's HRES 8 should be impeached for what's happening at the borders. And so we are actually coming in here. And I think that, to be honest with you, the 118th Congress has done more in a conservative agenda than anyone before us. We've rescinded the 87,000 deep state IRS funding. We have put a budget in place that actually allows us to claw back $1.2 trillion dollars We've actually put in the RAINS Act, which stops over-regulations, which stifles and destroys businesses. The federal government, I need to correct this for everyone, does not create jobs. The private sector and industry not only creates a strong economy, but they're the job creators out there. The only thing the federal government does is over-regulate, over-burden, stifle, and shut down businesses. And the idea of ESG, which needs to be eliminated, just like CRT, DEI, and all the rest, we need to start having industry-drive policy not policy drive industry. And as someone who came from one of the most overregulated industries in America, uh, you know, utilizing, having to go through state, having to go through DOD, having to go to BATFE, we need to stop with bureaucrats who are unelected bureaucrats who think they're lawmakers and start bringing back the powers back into Congress, which is why myself and Congressman Matt Gates have been so adamant about removing this authorization of use of military force, the 2001-2002 abdication of you know article one section eight which is our war power authority that's what we're about right now in the 118th congress and i can tell you i'm not going to stop fighting for this i'm not going to stop believing in our, our our nation our republic our constitutionality and so even if i'm not your district rep because i represent the seventh district of florida if you believe in constitutionality freedoms liberty and the pursuit of happiness i am your representative here in dc well yeah and, and guys uh i've had these conversations <laughs> with Corey and uh he he's beyond a constitutionalist nerd okay like we're gonna go he, he, he's full nerd in this now I like I, listen I like your bill uh you know, talk about some of the details of that because I mean what's going on you know what hey I know you're not allowed to use the word groomers but like give me a break like there's no reason you know in Florida when they're like you know you, you can't have the drag queen show if you're going to be catering to children well then we're not going to have it I'm like well why do you need you know like you're you so you're going to cancel it so it, it was Without the children, it doesn't work. I mean, how are they not groomers? But how do you how do you avoid sort of the, you know the the free speech argument about what they'll talk about the publishers? Because you're right. I mean, there seems to be precedent. Like off the top of my head, I can think of you know when Big Tobacco was marketing to children, and it was clear that they were marketing to children. There were serious consequences. Now, most most of that was financial. Now, mm. the sexualization of our children, frankly, is even worse than what Big Tobacco was doing by a lot. Uh, and I think that people are far, even more devious than those that are actually pushing for this crap. And again, you have to wonder what their motivations are, that that's the hill to die on. And if they can't manipulate the children, if they can't sexualize them or perform them, they're just going to walk away. Uh, you know, makes you wonder uh, about the narrative. But talk about how that, how that works when people start talking about the free speech argument, which is also paramount and fundamental in our constitution. Well, absolutely. Look, I'm, I'm a huge First Amendment supporter. I mean, look, I was the one that actually wrote a letter here from Congress to even go towards uh, the Speaker of the Florida House and the President when we talk about the defamation bill that would have put things like the SCOTUS ruling of New York Times for Sullivan into the mix and would have actually violated free speech 
uh, and actually endangered, in my opinion, some of the whistleblowers who would have had to have been outed because they would have been listed as an anonymous source, right? And I get it. Big media, they've abused and they've lied and they've defamed many of us. But that doesn't mean that we can violate 1A rights. When it comes to my bill, I'm not saying that the publishing houses, they can print as much of this crap as they want. Go put it in Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, or any of the other places. What I'm saying is that taxpayers' money cannot be spent on this to be indoctrinating and sexualizing our children in public schools. Ah, okay. That, that was the nuance I missed. I got you. Yeah. And so it doesn't violate one amendment. They can print six billion copies of whatever they want. Go, go, you know, print something on, uh, you know, Queer Eye or whatever the case that, that book was that was actually being put into the age group of eight. Third grade was learning about these types of things. You know, they think that they put it in anime or cartoon form that this somehow is justifying it. And it's not. We need to get back to teaching civics. When I was in school, I didn't even know if my teacher was, you know, married or, and only way if I knew they had kids is if their kids were actually in our school or in my class. You know, it was about education. And that's what we need to get back to because the left is utilizing this in a groomer fashion. You're exactly right for this predatory prey mechanism. They are utilizing non-kinetic influence operations, these propaganda misinformation kind of CCP based operations to indoctrinate the minds of our children. And that's what you're seeing right now. In my personal opinion, all of this, you know, gun violence that we're seeing that everyone wants to vilify the weapon for, like we just saw, whether it's in Allen, Texas or wherever, this is a mental health matter. This is not about trying to vilify or take away the Second Amendment rights, though the left, that's what they want to try to do. This is about mental health. But why do they have these mental health isms? Because of transgenderism, pansexuality, all of these things that they're now being taught and grown up in without identifying the root cause of why you have so many people in the youth that are actually doing this. So my bill basically tries to get back to what education is supposed to be, not trying to create the next evolution or the next generation of, you know, kind of the, the mentally ill. Yeah, you take it. You take advantage of a very young and very impressionable mind. You jack them up on hormones and other meds uh, with no real long term uh, studies right. on them. And uh, what, what could possibly go wrong, Corey? I mean, it seems like a recipe for success. Well, think about it. There's an age group for tattoos. There's an age group for smoking. There's an age group to join the military. But yet a child can mutilate their body. And yeah, no, that, that's my favorite analogy when it's like, you're, so you're telling me a three-year-old influenced by their, you know, rainbow-haired freak teacher should be able to get these operations. You saw the Washington bill. There's the Wisconsin bill. Like, well, if you don't let your child do this, we're going to take them away from you. I mean- they're like sanctioning, like legalized kidnapping of a kid to make a permanent life altering decision 15 years before that person could buy a pack of cigarettes. Just so we're clear exactly what it means. Uh, in Wisconsin, you had the bill. You can't discriminate against someone who is sexually attracted to minors. You know, the MAPS, the minor attracted people or the, the YAPS, the youth attracted persons. Like they're trying to normalize sexual deviance. They're trying to make them a protected class, something that would put people in jail for. You couldn't discriminate against that. You have to let that person work at a, uh, you know, a daycare center, perhaps. Or, I mean, these people have lost their minds. And this is the platform of the left today. There's no decency or reasonableness, but big tech will censor that. You know, mainstream media will censor that. They won't talk about it. But like these are this is not like hypothetical talk. These are bills being passed by Democrat legislatures being voted on 100% in lockstep by the Democrat party. This is the crap that they actually believe and they're okay with it. That's yeah. where they stand today.
look, the left is not even trying to be covert about their socialist, Marxist and kind of predatory manner anymore. I mean, these are the same, you know, when I'm sitting here in Congress, you had over 140 plus Democrats who wouldn't even vote to condemn the evils of socialism. I mean, these are the types of people who are up in arms right now over putting a border security plan in place. And you're right. You mentioned a lot of state legislation, state legislators, which is why I'm a huge ad. I wish I wish we didn't have the 17th Amendment, which basically a lot of Americans don't know this, but state legislators actually used to elect our U.S. senators. And that was what was the federal and state, you know, kind of checks and balance. And now, you know, once we had the popular vote in 1913, now you see where federal government's out of control and state legislators are being disenfranchised when they put together bills that matter to the people because they're actually with the people the most often. And so, you know, Indiana came out with a bill and Greg Stubbe has now come out with a, a similar bill on a federal level that I've co-sponsored to ban foreign ownership of our farmlands, to get American lands back into American hands, to stop allowing the Chinese to come in here and, you know, basically start indoctrinating, utilizing their influences. Like these are the types of great pieces of legislation that we're looking to push. And it, a lot of it originates from state legislation, like you talk about, whether it was MAPS or YAPS or any of this other stuff that we're trying to either prevent or, uh, you know, trying in some places to pass. Like we have to start taking note that the left is being very overt in their destruction of our republic and the America last agenda. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's scary. So how do you, uh, Amy, you're talking about things that are awesome. I think, you know, I, I'm for 100% of that. Like, how do how do we get it done in the short amount of time? I mean, that's sort of, you know, you have a two-year cycle. And again, like you said, everyone's looking to get reelected and they start campaigning in about two weeks. Uh, and, they, you know, for the next 18 months, they're going to be campaigning. So they got six months of work. To, how do you get these things over the line so we can lock something in? So we can take ideas that are great and make them wins that actually... You know, make make the other side vote against common sense practices like that. Uh, how, how do we get there? Because there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, I, and I love hearing that there's finally action because the Republicans have usually been very good about talking, not so good about doing. Uh, but how do you get that done and over the line? Well, I think that it's really simple for us on this one. And we're, we're kind of lucky and it's, it's a travesty at the same time that we have to talk about the debt ceiling. But when you look at the debt ceiling, in order for us to be able to get to an actual negotiation period, a lot of the bills that we've already passed in the House have to also be guaranteed to be pushed through as part of this you know, increase. And I think that when you talk about the RAINS Act, when you talk about the Texas border plan that we're getting ready to vote on today, H.R. 2, when you talk about H.R. 1, which is domestic energy bill, when you start looking at all of these different things, and remember, Joe Biden has been put into very difficult positions where he said he was going to veto certain bills, the D.C. crime bill being one of those. Yep. And meanwhile, when it gets to his desk, he has no choice but to actually sign those into law. And so I think that we have to continue to put the pressure on him. Now, I know the argument that most Americans make, which is that, well, whatever you do in the House, you know, we have to worry about the Senate. Yeah, look, I'm elected into the House. I'm here to do my job. If you don't like to see what the Senate is doing, then vote them out. Give us a, an actual Senate majority and watch the House majority and the Senate majority go to work. But for right now, we utilize the tools that we have available to us, whether it is the debt ceiling, whether it's the upcoming NDAA, whether it's the farm bills, whether it is, you know, the border plans, all of these things we have to start coming in. If we're going to say that we're the majority, we have to start acting like the majority. When it was the left in charge, they strong armed everybody. Guess what? We can't be weak in this. And to, to Speaker McCarthy's credit, as well as for Leader Scalise and the rest, they have been very much in line 
with what our messaging was to go back to your point where most of the time Republicans speak and they talk a lot of rhetoric, but they don't deliver. We talked about a border plan. We now are voting on one today. We talked about the idea of stopping these endless wars. We've now had both the Syria and the Somalia bill come to the floor. We talked about stopping overregulation and helping to strengthen the economy. We've got HR1, which is our domestic energy, but also we passed HR21 that stops Joe Biden from selling our strategic petroleum reserves, which he sold over 40% to China, the country who's actually out to destroy us. And so we're delivering on the promises we made in our campaign. And if we weren't, Trust me, I would not be sitting here talking about what we have done, but I'd be talking about why the Republican Party is not promised delivering on the promises that we've made. So this border bill today, by the way, is a very important one, especially with the expiration of Title 42, which will see a migrant surge of up to 18,000 people per day. I mean, let's take out the numbers here. Last year, you had- But Corey, two- it's not an invasion. Oh. It's not an invasion. It's absolutely just, an Just a invasion. baseball stadium every day, football. right? Like- it is an invasion. When you have more people coming across our border than we utilized on D-Day, that is an invasion. And let's talk about <laughs> well, last That's year. a great example. You know, say, I mean, that's a great example. I mean, we have more people coming our, across our border every day than we utilized in D-Day to fight the Nazis. Okay. Yes. The German army, a very formidable fighting force, misguided and insane and leadership, everything terrible, but like a real fighting force. And we're getting more people a day in. I mean, that's a big statement. Look, at the end of the day, let's look at the numbers here. Last year, you had 2.3 million that we know about for encounters that came across, of which, by the way, these are from multiple nations. It's not just South America. We had Haiti. We had Yemen. We had Chinese. We had Russian. We had Ukrainians all coming across our southern border, 2.3 million. This year, we're on record again. We're at 1.3 million already for this year. And let's go to the cartels themselves. In 2018, the cartels was making around $500 million a year, a lot of money. Let's fast forward to last year under Joe Biden. Last year, they had $13 billion, of which around 46% was just child and sex trafficking. This is a humanitarian crisis. This is a national security crisis. And this is a health crisis. And you're trying to tell me that the conflicts that are going on 9,000 miles away are supposed to be more important than the one that's 900 miles away. That's killing 70,000 people with fentanyl overdose. And we're worried about labeling other terrorist organizations abroad. What we should be looking at is how we designate these cartels who are doing far more damage to America, who are killing far more Americans, who are poisoning our children, who are leading to more atrocities than ever. Our fight is in our own nation. Our our fight is sitting at the southern border. And that's why H.R. 2 is such a significant bill that we must pass today. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one. I mean, obviously, you know, as a veteran, as someone who's fought for our country, I mean, how are the cartels not designated as enemy combatants? I mean, I, I guess based on the math that you're saying, I mean, hey, if you took, you know, and whether it's now or whether it catches up in a year, but based on the number of deaths, I mean, this is there's more deaths from some of our major wars. That's right. uh, you know, we, we've had more deaths. I don't know what the exact number is a year, but it feels like, you know, we have a Vietnam every year from fentanyl. Uh, well, you know, in, in the 50, That's why 000. we have language. In this bill in HR2, to your point, that is why yesterday I was a no on this bill, as was Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne and many other members, Andy Biggs and Dan Bishop and and, and, and Burchett and many others. 
until we got language in there that actually ensured that the house, and to give you the idea of this, the house in this bill will have 60 days to commission or create a task force that will put on record an actual report to see whether or not the activities by the cartels does actually, you know, I think qualify as a designation of a terrorist organization or a designation of a, a ununiformed military force. Yeah. And so we need to go to the crux of the problem. And this is something that the Mexican president is not willing to even discuss because of the weak leadership. Now, when President Trump was in place and we were building the wall and we were supporting our CBP and ICE agents to do their job, and we had Title 42 in place and we had the Remain in Mexico agreement there, you saw a whole different story. But when you've got Joe Biden in there who can't formulate two full sentences or even knows where the border is, nor does the border czar, Colin Harris, we have to put strong language. I promise you, H.R. 2, and this was directly from the mouth of Chip Roy, said that this is the most conservative border plan that he has ever seen and likely the most conservative border plan in the last 40 plus years. Well, listen, I, I think it's important. I, I just hope it doesn't get bureaucratized, you know, like like everything else in D.C., where the, the committee that looks at it, you know, takes tens of thousands of deaths annually from fentanyl and says, well, it's a little different because they sold it to someone else who sold it. You know, it's like when Apple has a great ESG score because, you know, the lithium mining done by the child slave labor, no, no, we, we farm that out. That's, that's, that's with a different LLC. We subcontract that to a different company. So we're clear. Like, we didn't pull the trigger, even if we paid uh, someone else to pull the, the trigger. I wonder what the Mexican cartel's ESG ratings are. I wonder how much DEI they're <laughs> yeah. including in this as they traffic women and children across and make billions of dollars. I mean, it's so comical to watch the left always talk about the significance of all these things or talk about environmental issues, but yet they'll go buy, you know, energy from one of those dirty countries possible and how they harvest. I mean, the hypocrisy. Yeah. of the left and what i have seen here has no bounds but i am very confident that today hr2 when it comes to the floor we're going to be able to pass this bill and we are going to be able to start addressing the issues because i can tell you what my plan was i think that we should have kept title 42 as permanent policy i understand it was originally created for a public health emergency which is what title 42 is originated for for the pandemic but i would argue that the fentanyl pandemic is killing more people each year than COVID did, we should be yeah. keeping Title 42 in place because of the fentanyl crisis, which is a public health emergency. Well, 100%, and, and one that you know, far more severe with, with no end in sight. It's, uh, it's only snowballing and, get, and getting a lot worse. So uh, I, I think that's awesome, and I think you're 100% right. So and I'll tell you, yeah. it's self-admittance, by the way, and I'll, 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 I'll finish with this point on the border bill, but it's self-admittance when Joe Biden is deploying 1,500 troops to go down to the border to help support CBP at the time that Title 42 is going away that he is allowing to expire. Think about it. If it's not an issue, it's not a crisis, and that Title 42 isn't a problem, why did you just send 1,500 people down there? If it wasn't an issue, you would have said there's no reason to put it down there. But he knows what this is going to do, and he's encouraging it. Well, you know, again, there's no one there's no one holding them to task other than perhaps people like myself or, you know, the media, you know, the press secretary can get there. Joe Biden's created more jobs than any president in history. It's like, come on, man. Like, just like, man, she can't. You notice like the body language, like she can't even look into the camera with a straight face. It's like Joe Biden's created more jobs than <laughs> any pepper, you know, like the it, it's such a flagrant lie. But you know, when, the when they're doing their bidding, they can get away with it. It's exactly right. And and thank God that there's 
like Triggered or other types of media that's out there who's actually bringing the facts to the table, who, again, facts don't care about your feelings. We're bringing the actual receipts the same way that President Trump did at the CNN town hall, the same way that many of us did yesterday, because I'll tell you, this border bill was going nowhere without the proper language to address the issues like the cartels. And uh, again, I have to give credit once more to the great Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne, who literally, you know, her and I, we were all there's there's quite a few of us. But I give her tremendous credit. She was standing in there and I was standing right next to her saying, we're not budging unless we address the cartel issues. That's and right. so, uh, you know, this one they're saying we may lose uh, at least one or two Republicans as a result of that language. But guess what? If we don't address this and we allow these cartels to run amok and we allow the Biden administration to get away with this or we allow us to try and put all of the powers within Secretary Mayorkas and the DHS, who has failed us for the last two years, then we're not doing a proper service to the American people. Well, I'm sure I'll hear about it. But if you lose one or two Republicans, please make sure to text me. Uh, let me know who they are, because I'm sure their voters would like to know uh, that they don't want to address the issue of the cartels, uh, the human trafficking associated therewith, the sex trafficking and drug trafficking associated therewith, the literal humanitarian crisis that they are causing. Because if there's a Republican that doesn't want to address that issue, they ain't a Republican uh, and their voters should know about that. That's right. That's exactly right. And trust me, I'll uh, I'll shoot you a text today. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, <laughs> listen, you know, you're as a decorated army veteran, talk about some of the perspective uh, that gives you on how to assess America's standing abroad right now. Because I, I feel like, you know, it, it started, it really started with Afghanistan, right? You could say, you know, they were kind of, all they had to do was nothing, you know, follow Trump's plan, have some balls, maybe a little resolve, like, it, you know, no one's advocating for the never-ending wars, but there's a way to do it. But they had to get grab the headline. They had to do it a week earlier, do it during the fighting season. Like, things that I know, as someone who didn't serve, and let's just say, I know jack shit about Afghanistan, but I knew there's a time of year where you want to be doing stuff and a time of year you don't. I know there's conditions you want to put in place. I know you don't want to leave, uh, you know, $87 billion of equipment behind uh, to people who used to throw homosexuals off buildings uh, and, you know, burn journalists with gasoline, enslave young women and girls uh, into sexual slavery. Like, you know, uh, it started there, but it's gotten worse. But, you know, from a military's perspective and as a decorated veteran, what are our allies and our enemies alike looking at as it relates to America's standing abroad? Because it's got to be it's got to be rough right now. Well, like you talked about, I mean, between my military and government service, you know, I spent over seven years of my life in Iraq. I spent almost three years in Afghanistan, Kosovo, Pakistan, northern Somalia, was blown up twice in Baghdad in 2006 with roadside IEDs with our teams. I mean, the bottom line is, is that I have gotten to an understanding of where warfare has evolved to. And I think that the rest of the Republican Party needs to get there as well, which is that the evolution of warfare is no longer just about bomb to bomb, gun to gun, bullet to bullet. It's now about non-kinetic and influence operations, the economic resource warfare and cyber warfare that's being launched by China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, and this geopolitical alignment that is out to eliminate the US dollar as a global currency, utilizing bad actors like WHO and WEF and OPEC to replace and supplement the petrodollar from PetroYuan, things like that. This plan has only been exacerbated as a result of the botched withdrawal in Afghanistan. When China, Russia, Iran, or Korea saw how we handled Afghanistan, handing over, as you talked about, the 86 plus billion dollars in defense articles to the Haqqani Network, to ISIS Khorasan, to the Taliban, 
people we had fought for over 20 plus years. And remember, the reason we went to Afghanistan was to do what? Stop it from being a safe haven of terrorism. Not only have we made it the safe haven of terrorism, but we've made it the most well-equipped, well-armed, well-prepared governmental terrorist organization in the world. And so the idea that we are doing this over and over and over makes me feel even more strong about what Congressman Gates and I and others are doing with trying to eliminate and repeal this authorization of use of military force that was launched in 2001 and 2002 that is being utilized by Republican and Democrat presidents alike over the last 20 plus years in its unintended fashion and an abdication of our war power authorities. We have to get smarter about what the evolution of war has become. If we are energy dominant, if we stop reliancy on adversarial nations like Russia and China, if we stop this cash diplomacy, whereby the State Department and USAID and all those take, oh, you're an enemy of ours, we give you $800 million of American taxpayers' money, you're our friend, right? No, they're an enemy with $800 million. And as President Trump said long ago, endless wars are stupid. We did not, you can't tell me right now that after the 20 plus years of fighting in Iraq, the 20 plus years in Afghanistan, that we as a nation are stronger and safer and more prosperous. It is contrary to our actual objectives, where we want to be economically strong, where we want to protect Americans on the American soil. And these neoconservative neoliberals who utilize this same catch-all phrase of, well, we can fight them over there or we can fight them here. Well, guess what? Let's address that issue. Our border had led... 23 people across last year who were on a terrorist watch list, four of which were Yemeni military-aged males. You want to fight to make sure America is safe, secure, monetarily, you know, moving in the right direction? Secure our borders. Start energy independence. Recognizing our adversaries. Addressing our allies. Stop cash diplomacy and overspending. Get checks and balance in place. Eliminate ESG and CRT and DEI from our businesses, from our schools, from our military. Start getting back to what it is to be an American and protect the republic. That's what I see as a person who had served more than 10 plus years of my life overseas, as a person who was blessed to be a part of the Trump administration as a SecDef advisor with DVB and others. We have to go back to where we were during the president, you know, president's actual administration under, under President Trump to start getting us to where we need to be and recognizing what is good and what is bad for the nation. And I can tell you, the Afghanistan thing, that was the key yeah. piece that led to the invasion of Ukraine. That was the key piece into the Belt and Road Initiative's expansion. That was the key piece into the weakening of America on the world stage, where even France, France is now talking about decoupling and not utilizing our dollar. I remember when President Trump was called by President Macron, he said, oh, you know, Mr. President, we're looking to put an increase in taxation to America. President Trump told him, I'll tell you what. You do that, and I'll tax all of your champagne and all of your wines at 100% rate in America. You got five minutes and call me back. He called him back and said, oh, Mr. President, you know what? On second thought, we're not going to increase the taxes on America. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. JK, LOL, smiley face. I mean, this is the type of strong leadership that we need. And that's why a Trump 2024 ticket helps to, helps to get us on the course correction that we need in our 118th Congress. And the conservative agenda that we're doing in the House as the majority elected by the people is going to help to get us on track for 2024 so that when President Trump comes in, we can get America back to being the world leader again. So, listen, I, I can hear the passion. What made you get into politics in the first place? I mean, you, 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 
you did your time, you served your country, you you ran a very successful business. Why the hell <laughs> I should I should be asking myself this question time? But you know, of my father certainly. What made you get into this in the first place? Look, I had served in the military, and, and to be honest with you, I am actually living the American dream. Like my mom and dad, as an example, a lot of people know this, were drug and substance abuse addicts. My dad spent over 30 years in prison. My mom spent over seven years in prison. I was finally adopted at age nine by my grandparents and taken in and raised. And I thought, this is the greatest nation on earth. And I went to serve in the military honorably. I you know, created a great business with my family, which serves our law enforcement and our military and our allies abroad to fight terrorism and criminals on the streets. I was happy being a supporter of conservatives in the office who was actually fighting for constitutionality, fiscal responsibility in the American people. But the issue is this. I got to a point where I started seeing less and less Republicans who were willing to fight for the American people and to preserve American exceptionalism. And I had a choice to make as a father. You know, I've got two boys, eight and 18. I had a choice to make to continue to watch the society that is being created under this social and cultural experiment deteriorate what my kids and future grandkids will actually face or to throw my hat in the ring and actually do something about it. And if nothing more, bring awareness. And maybe there's one child who grows up in a similar background to me that realizes that your socioeconomic status and what you're born in or the perpetuation of drug use or criminality in your family doesn't define who you are. And you can be a member of Congress or Senator or the president of the United States. Then that was a worthy cause. You know, I put over $2.2 million of my own cash into my race. I wasn't out trying to grift people out of money and say, hey, increase in uh, inflation is higher than it has been in 40 years, 13% CPI increase. You don't have as much money. Homer insurance has gone up. The, you, can you give me 20 more dollars? Can you give me 100,000? You know, I'm running for another you know, federal race. No, I put my own money into this race, my own time, divested away from my businesses, took time away from my family. But it's because I believe in this country, the same exact thing that your father believes in, President Trump. And guess what? I donate. 100% of my salary every quarter to a woman child veteran charity selected by the constituents in my district. I don't believe in buying, selling, and trading stocks or my wife or anyone who works in my office because you can manipulate through legislation as many people has, which is a conflict of interest. That's why I support the bill that Congressman Gates and AOC put in place to ban stock trading. We have to get back to public service, not personal enrichment. And the people who wore that uniform are willing to die for this nation, knows that better than most. So you're right here in Florida. It's where you're from. You know, you, you mentioned your constituency. I guess, looking back, did you ever think that we'd be having some of these debates, some of these conversations, you know, whether it's the border, whether it's being soft on the cartels, whether it's allowing three-year-olds to make life-altering decisions? You know, what are the conversations that you're having with those constituents right now because you know i guess they got to be equally shocked well you know the bottom line is is that all of the things that i ran on in my campaign that i would help to address whether it's the sexualization of children whether it was the over regulation and government involvement and in helping to stop and stifle private sector utilizing esg or others whether it was looking at the border security and where we're at or the indoctrination and weakening of our military getting back to a strong economy those are all the same things that I'm driving forward right now. And my constituents see that, but not to mention the fact that we have such a robust constituent outreach service. You know, there's people who've, who've been sitting in office for three and four and five terms who they've gotten back six, eight, maybe $10 million in owed benefits back to their constituents. I've been in office for a little over four and a half months and I've gotten over five and a half million dollars 
and benefits back to the constituents who are owed back benefits for Social Security or SSI benefits or disability benefits or VA benefits. You know, all the things that actually is our job. I didn't send out in my mailers about how I need to in some way like get reelected. I sent out, here's what I can do for you. Here's how I can help you. Here's what we're going to do while I'm in Congress. And I think that that's why they're happy with my delivery. That's why they're happy with what they're seeing today. And I'm going to continue to fight for the American agenda and for the American people, but especially the people of Florida and the people of 7th District. Well, you know, so were there other spe like specific moments that helped shape that worldview of yours that, you know, changed your politics, make you, made you want to do this beyond that? You know, I think that it was just watching, you know, through my own personal life experiences where the childhood that I had or, you know, the America and the schools that I was, you know, attended or, or raised and born up to. I watched the America that I know and love basically just start to deteriorate and start going away. And it started to become unrecognizable to me. And when I saw these types of things and I would hear the plights from, you know, single mothers who was talking about the fact that, you know, they're having to take on a second and third and fourth job. The fact that, you know, our military spouses wasn't even getting childcare for them to be able to go out and work, to be able to match. When I saw staff sergeants in the United States military who were being given such a low quality of life and poor pay that they're having to go on WIC and government assistance, and these are people willing to die for our country, that really hurt me inside. And when I saw the spike, and thank God for you know what you and Kim and President Trump and others have done with great suicide awareness and prevention things like Make 22-0 again, these types of events. I watched after the Afghan botch withdrawal where our surges and military service members committing suicide had reached an all-time high. You know, these are all very near and dear personal situations that I had a great friend of mine, Chadwick Paul, who took his own life, who had served with me in Iraq and had went on to serve in Afghanistan and others with the, you know, 5th Group Special Forces and 7th and Group Special Forces who took his own life. You know, these are things that are, we really have to start addressing. And I feel that with Congress only being made up previous to this uh, 118th Congress of 17% military veterans, we need more military veterans who understand service here in office to be able to do the right things. And, and that's really why I'm here. No, it's a... Uh... Terrible. I mean, I lost a good buddy, Neil, uh, a couple of months ago. I mean, he hadn't served in it's it's been quite some time and it's still it's still caught up to him. And so we, we got to be pushing all of that. You know? So as a, as a last question to wrap up, I, Florida, where you're from now, seeing, you know, obviously is a pretty reliable red state, but there's plenty of other swing states. What What's your task for Republicans? What do they need to do to win in some of those purple states, to win in some of those swing states? to be able to overcome the tremendous obstacles we're up against. You know, again, a trillion dollar mainstream media complex, trillion dollar big tech enterprise, a trillion dollar social media operation that is literally seemingly functioning as the marketing department of the other side and, and simultaneously a detractor to, uh, you know, the conservative mission. Well, I think that we have to start really addressing any election integrity issues, and that's not unfortunately going to happen until after the 24 election. But what the American people need to do, you know, we are the majority, but for far too long, we've been the silent majority. We have to start getting out and being active, making sure it's our civic duty, voting early, voting, you know, at every single down ballot and understanding the significant importance of those down ballot votes. We have to start understanding our messaging because a centralized messaging out of D.C. does not resonate with members in my community in Florida or maybe in Oregon or maybe in other areas. And so we have to understand 
what it is that we want to achieve and start delivering on that message. And I think, if anything, we have to also start bringing awareness to what the Democrats are doing and how it's destroying our country. You know, they want to call us MAGA Republicans. Okay, let's call them inflation Democrats. You know, we have to throw it back at them as much as they throw yeah. it at us. We have to start putting our, you know, the gloves on and really understanding that we need to put up the fight because as it was said a long time ago, you can vote for socialism once, but you have to fight your way out of it. And we are really on the verge of you know, losing this nation. And we say that and you hear that every single day. No, but yep. that's truly the case right now. Just go through and look at all the data. Just go through and ask yourself what your pocket feels like today and compared to what it was feeling like under President Trump when he had tax reform, something that for 30 years presidents have been talking about. Yep. We have to get back to preserving and protecting America. And that America first agenda, think about it. The fact that we're being ridiculed for MAGA, which is making America great again. The fact that that is a negative or a derogatory term for the left should tell everyone everything that they need to know. And so yeah. we have to get out there. We have to get active. We have to start being responsible, make our civic duties you know, well-known and get the right candidate in place. And here's the thing. We didn't get outraised on soft dollar. We got outraised three to one on hard dollar. Don't start thinking about just organizations. Start donating to the candidates direct because that's really what was needed. And so they have to buy ad time. They have to get out there and get collateral to put on the ground. They have to start. We have to start really getting engaged as an American society because we do, as Americans, have a contractual and social obligation to our Constitution. You know, Bill uh, 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 Warren Buffett said, if you were born in America, you'd already won the lottery. I would say that if you actually were born in Florida, you hit the jackpot. But we need yeah. to make Florida all of America. We need to make it red. We need to make it you know, a republic again. And we need to get back to doing what's necessary. And, and thanks to you and to so many others who are actually out there getting the, you know, sounding the alarms because we really need it. Well, I appreciate it, Corey. Thank you for everything you're doing. I guess, you know, guys, if you're watching, like, share, pass this message on. As you can hear, Corey is someone super passionate about what's going on here, totally understands it, understands the nuance, but has also done this stuff in the real world, whether it's militarily, whether it's, you know, running a business, uh, you know, I love the message. I love what you're doing. Uh, get out there. Let's go get this uh, border bill done. Uh, and I, and again, I look forward to uh, shooting the rocket launchers and mortars uh, in the not too distant <laughs> future. Anytime. I'm not, I'm not Trust just me. walking away yeah. from that one, okay, buddy? You can come out and you and I will be in camouflage and Kim will be in stilettos. <laughs> yeah, no, well, listen. Uh, I, the Kim saying is, uh, if it can't be done in high heels, it can't be done. So, uh, uh, and by the way, she'll kick our butts in a lot of things in high heels. It's, uh, it's That's pretty exactly amazing. right. That's exactly right. Well, I, I appreciate it, man. You're the best. Uh, well, I look forward to you. talking to you soon. Have a good one. Likewise. Be good. Okay, guys. Thanks so much for checking it out. I hope you like that interview. I hope you like the news of the week. Again, like the content below. Just go click it right now while I have your attention. Go click like. I really appreciate that. That way other people will see it. I'd love you to share it. Uh, you know, make sure your friends are aware of what's going on. Make sure they're aware of the show. Uh, download the Rumble app so you can get you know, notifications of when we're going live, when we're going to break news, when we're going to tell you the real news. Uh, I think you'll like that. And I also just want to make sure to just thank our sponsors again. They make this programming possible to fight back against the insanity out there. Again, uh, go check out DonJuniorGold.com, so the folks at Gold Co. can teach you how to protect your retirement savings from the insanity that's going on right now. So owning tangible gold, uh, physical gold, 
can be a huge way to diversify your portfolio, protect you from the lunacy that's going on, protect you from the inflation that's going on, protect you from the bank collapses and the insanity because idiots are driving the process and making decisions that you, your children and grandchildren are gonna be beholden to for decades. So make sure to check out donjuniorgold.com and learn how to hedge against their stupidity. I also wanna take two seconds to thank Secure Private Data, that's S-E-K-U-R, Private Data. There's bad actors out there all over the place. Everyone seems to be spying on you. The FBI is calling concerned mothers and parents domestic terrorists, so I'm sure that if you've liked any of that content, if you're watching this, they're probably watching you and you, like me, are on a list. I probably have a larger team of uh, FBI agents dedicated to me, but Securest technology allows you to communicate and go online privately without the fear of spying from big tech. Not exactly fans of myself or you probably, uh, your internet service provider, your email providers or hackers. And Secure supports your values and isn't caving to the woke mob that owns and controls all of big tech. So again, go to donjuniorsecure.com. That's D-O-N-J-R-S-E-K-U-R. Spelling's a little different, right? Donjuniorsecur.com. And that's where you can get 15% discount on any of their solutions for the next five years. Go check them out. Make sure you take back your privacy. You guys are the best. Like, share, subscribe, and we'll see you on Monday.